Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Uh, and not just this week's, uh, this new seasons, this new years, this new decade. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of news this time. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, as you can probably tell, uh, because there's no one talking with me, it is just me this this episode, this week. Uh, just because with all the new year and Christmas and holidays, uh, we haven't been able to get together to record an episode together, and that's real sad. But, uh, after this week, uh, Heather will have one by herself as well, and then after that time we will both reconvene and record our own episodes together. Uh, Regardless of that, we both hope that you've all had a wonderful end of 2019, whether you celebrate or not, uh, and that 2020 brings you as much good fortune as it possibly could. Uh, So the topic for this week is one that I thought about uh, a couple months ago, just because it was kind of interesting with the coming up on the new decade, and it got me thinking about calendars, how we keep track of days, and how all that started. So, uh, today's episode is going to be about that. We're going to look at some calendars and see, well, the history of them, basically. Uh, so, obviously we all know what a calendar is. It's a, you know, uh, it's a method of keeping track of days and larger divisions of time, such as, like, months and years and decades, like we're just on now. Uh, uh, archaeologists have reconstructed methods of timekeeping that go back uh, to times as old as the Neolithic. <coughs> uh, the natural sort of way of keeping track of days was, well, ironically, the day, because it was the easiest thing to keep track of, the sun rose and the sunset, though that didn't really help con- construct how much time had passed, because obviously just focusing on the new days doesn't really fall fall out for a historical path just because then it's just watching the days go by. The first historically attested and formalised calendars uh, date back to as far back as the Bronze Age uh, as far back as the Bronze Age dependent on the development of writing in the ancient Near East. The Sumerian calendar was the earliest followed by the Egyptian calendar the uh, Assyrian calendar I think and the Alma and the Almamite calendars. <clears throat> a large number of calendar systems in the ancient uh, Near East in the Iron Age, which comes after, uh, are based on the Alisrian one, which we just talked about, and the Babylonian calendars. This includes the calendar of the Persian Empire, which in turn gave rise to the Zoroastrian calendar, as well as the Hebrew calendar. Uh, a lot of the calendars from this time were lunisolar. Uh, and I had to look this up because I didn't know what this meant. Uh, but lunisolar calendars uh, are used in many cultures which 
date, uh, which the date indicates both the moon phase and the time of the solar year. If the solar year is defined as a tropical year, then a lunisonial calendar will give uh, an, ind- uh, an indication of the season. Uh, if it's taken as a sidereal year, then the calendars will predict the constellation near to the full moon when that will occur. As with all calendars which divide the year into months, there is an additional requirement that the year have a whole number of months. And as most calendars do, uh, they have 12 months, like the, the calendar we use today. Uh, and then every few years there'll be uh, adds um, uh, a leap a, a leap. Uh, day, month, depending on the calendar. Like we do have this year in 2020, it, it's going to be a leap year, uh, so we'll have an extra day in February. Uh, so carrying on from the, the lunisolar calendars, uh, the Roman calendar, which is a very... <clears throat> but carrying on from that, the Roman calendar contained a very ancient remnant of pre estrusian 10-month solar calendars. Uh, the Roman calendar was formed for Julius Caesar in 45 BCE. Uh, the Julian calendar was no longer dependent on the observation of the new moon, but simply followed an algorithm of introducing a leap day every four years. Like I just said, we have a leap year every four days. So that works out to correct the, the time difference, because a year is technically 365.25 days. So by having that extra day, we don't, we don't drift out of sort of our time zones that we have. Uh, in the 11th century in Persia, a calendar reform led by Kahim was introduced in 1079, where the length of the year was measured in 365.242198581156 days, like I just said, or rounded up, it's 365.25 days. Given the length of the year was changing in the sixth dimensional, <laughs> sixth definite place over the person's lifetime, this is astoundingly accurate. For the comparison of the length of the year, the time of the ancient century, it was 365.242196 days. Well, today it's 365.242190 days. Okay. The Gregorian calendar was introduced as a refinement of the Julian calendar in 1582. And today it's the worldwide used as the de facto calendar for secular purposes. Like I said, uh... So, yeah, Gregorian calendar, yeah, it's our calendar, uh, or the the Western world's calendar, I should say, has 12 months, has the leap day, and is everything that we kind of know it is right now. Okay, so now we've talked a little bit about some of the historical calendars and the current calendar we use. Uh, let's talk about the term. The term calendar itself is taken from the word calends, uh, the term of the first day of the month in the Roman calendar, related to the verb cala, to call out, referring to the calling or the announcement of the new moon that was just seen. <coughs> in Latin, calendarium meant account book or register, as accounts were settled and debts were collected on the calends of each month. Hmm, didn't know that. The Latin term was adopted in Old French as calendier, uh, as in spelled C-A-L-E-N-D-I-E-R, and from there the Middle East as calendar, how we spell it by the 13th century. The spelling calendar is from the early, is from early modern English. <coughs> 
uh, an alternative hypothesis connects Kalender with cold darky in Slavic, pre-Christian tradition, which later introduced incorporated into Christmas. Kolo means cycle or circle, and da means a gift. Okay, uh, there are a number of prehistoric structures uh, that have been proposed uh, having the purpose of keeping time, tra uh, typically keeping track of the solar year. Uh, this includes many megalithic structures and reconstructed arrangements going back uh, far into the Neolithic period. Uh, there's also one in Victoria or Australia, uh, a wordy Yuang statue, I think that's how that's said, arrangement uh, could be date to about 11,000 years with some estimating that it could be about 20,000 years old. Uh, this estimate is based on the inaccuracy of basically the calendars that have been shifting around since then and it's uh, consistent with how the Earth's supposed orbit would have looked during that time. The site is found, uh, the site is near uh, the world's oldest known site of permanent aquaculture. Uh, a ceramic, uh, uh, a ceramic artifact in Bulgaria known as the Slatino Furnace Model has been pronounced by local archaeologists and media to be the oldest known calendar representation, though that's not endorsed by mainstream media or other countries. Uh, a Mesolithic arrangement of 12 pits and an arc found in Warrenfield, Aberdeenshire in Scotland uh, dates dated back to roughly 10,000 years ago uh, uh, and has been described as a lunar calendar and was dubbed the world's oldest known calendar in 2013. Oh, I didn't know that either. Uh, the, oldest European uh, the oldest European calendar is found near Volkotar in modern-day Croatia. Uh, it's, it is a ceramic vessel bearing engraved ideograms of celestial objects. So, following the stars, I guess. Uh, a lot of the older calendars come from what's known as the ancient Near East. Uh, the ancient Sumerian calendars divided into 12 lunar months of 29 and 30 days. Each month began with the signing of the new moon, so it was a bit more fluid than our fixed calendars are. Uh, I believe that's also how some of the uh, Western calendars work, because they tend to follow the moon cycles, which... Uh, although, I wish Heather was here because she'd be able to confirm that a bit better for me. <coughs> Sumerian months have no uniform name throughout uh, summer because of the religious diversity. This is all inscribed and scholars referring to them as the first month, the fifth month, uh, to keep the lunar year uh, of 354 days in step with the solar year 3 of 365.2. 242 days. An extra month was added periodically, much like uh, adding the Gregorian leap year. Leap year, yeah. There are no weeks in the Sumerian calendar. Holidays and time off work are usually celebrated on the 1st, the 7th, and the 15th of each month. Didn't know that. In addition to these holidays, there are also feasts, which uh, are days which vary from city to city. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I like the idea of not having weeks. That just feels like. Oh, I like my week. Don't take that away from me. Alright. <laughs> uh, so, as this week could potentially be a bit shorter than normal because it's uh, there aren't as many tangents. <laughs> because, you know, it's just me talking. Although, I'm very good at it myself. Uh, we're going to jump very quickly into our break. 
uh, and then we will continue to talk about some of the calendars when we come back out. Alright guys, see you in a minute. Okay guys, so welcome to the first mid-roll of 2020. I nearly listed 2019, I'm still getting used to it. The first sponsor that I'm going to talk about is the one that I normally don't talk about, and it is World Anvil. World Anvil is a world-building software uh, where you can create your worlds, your books, just your ideas and flesh them out in a system that allows you to robustly make everything that you'd need. Uh, you can connect characters to other characters and connect how their relationships are with each other, which is great. Uh, they also have new features launching uh, as often as they can. They update it so often. It's the most uh, robust campaign management software out there, according to Logan, one of the directors of Nerdsmith. And he knows because he checked them all. Uh, and once he found Reward Anvil, he decided he didn't need to look anymore because it's that amazing. Uh, it's totally free to use uh, for the mo uh, for the basic software, which gives you as many options as you need. But there is a paid subscription version, which uh, unlocks even more options for you and your world if that appeals to you. Uh, we highly recommend that you check them out at WorldAnvil.com. They're amazing people, and they do amazing work. Uh, who also do amazing work are the lovely folks over at Die Hard Dice. Die Hard Dice create beautiful, stunning metal and polymer dice. Uh, they have, they do all of their color testing in-house for their new dice, along with their standard dice and their two-way colorway dice with the Swabinder series, which they're still doing. They have great accessories like their scroll rolling, which I'm going to keep talking about. It can hold two sets of dice and is just a portable dice tray. And that I, that I, I, I don't know why no one thought about it before. It's amazing. Uh, Die Hard Dice are amazing. They've been very kind to us. And what kind of network would we be for geeky gaming if we didn't use the best dice that we could find? <clears throat> if you go to their site at dieharddice.com, you can have a look around and if you find anything you like, you can use the code GEEKTHYSELF uh, for 15% off your first order, <coughs> first or, sorry, first or next order, uh, that's 1-5-15%. Uh, so yeah, if you want to roll with the best, all you need to do is go to Castle Die Hard Dice and you don't need to go anywhere else. Uh, and with all of that, we will now go back and jump into the second half of the episode. Alright, thanks guys. Okay. <clears throat> Alright guys, welcome back from the break. Uh, I did say this episode could be slightly shorter just because it's only me. And while I can talk for a little bit, I can't talk quite as long as Heather can. So... What we are planning on doing for the second half of the episode is we're going to look at some other calendars which are no longer in use uh, about where they came from and we're also going to do a little bit of looking into the Chinese calendar just because um, I I think it's fascinating so <laughs> uh, and because uh, I know Heather was going to talk about it when she was here but I can talk about it very slightly uh, with a little bit of help. So some of the older calendars that aren't really used anymore are the there's the Babylonia and Persian calendars. <coughs> uh, they are the earliest evidence of Iranian calendar 
traditions of in the second from the second millennium predating the appearance of the Iranian prophet Zoroaster the first fully preserved calendar is that of the Achaemenides I think that's how you say that Achaemenides throughout recorded history Persians have been keen on the idea of the importance of having a calendar and they were among the first cultures to use a solar calendar and have long favoured a solar over lunar and lunar solar uh, calendars. The sun has always been a symbol of uh, in Iranian culture and is closely related to the folklore regarding Cyrus the Great. Okay, so it would make sense that they like to use the sun. Uh, in the old Persian calendar, the inscriptions and tablets indicate the early Iranians used a 360-day calendar based on the solar observation directly and modified for their beliefs. Days were not named. The months had two or three divisions depending on the phase of the moon. Twelve months of 30 days were named for festivals or activities uh, of the pastoral year. A 13th moon was added every six years to keep the calendar synchronized with the seasons. Okay. Then there's the Zoroastrian calendar. The first calendars based on the Zoroastrian cosmology appeared in the later Achaemenid uh, period between 650 to 330 BCE and they evolved over the centuries uh, but month names changed little until now. Interesting. Uh, the unified uh, Achaemenid Archimended Empire required the distinctive uh, required a distinctive Iranian calendar, and one was devised in Egypt uh, in Egyptian tradition with twelve months and thirty days, each each dedicated to Yaz Yazada Yazata uh, Isred Isred, <coughs> and four divisions resembling uh, the Semitic week. Four days per month were dedicated to. Ahura Mazda and seven were named after the six uh, Ameza Spentas? Yeah. The 13, 30 days were named after fire, water, sun, moon, tri, and uh, Guish, Uven, uh, all souls of animals, uh, Mithra, Sarosha, uh, Raznu, Fravazi? Uh, Bahram, Raman, Raman uh, for peace, and Bata, the divinity of the wind. Okay, that's really interesting. Uh, three were dedicated to female divinities, uh, Dana, uh, Ashi, and Arshtat, which are fortune, uh, religion, and justice. The remaining four were dedicated to Asman, the lord of the sky and heaven, Zam, earth, Mantis, uh, Mantra Speta, uh, Sacred Word, and Angra Roca, the Endless Light of Paradise. Okay. Uh, next one we're going to look at is Greece. Uh, the Greeks, as early as the time of Homer, uh, appear to have been familiar with the division of the year into 12 lunar months, but no intercali month. Embolimus or day is then mentioned. Independent of the division, a month in uh, independent of the division of a month into days, it was divided into periods according to the increase and decrease of the moon. Thus, the first day or new moon was called Numenia. Okay, the the first month 
uh, yeah. The month in which the year began, or the first month, as well as the names of the month differed among the states, and in some parts no names existed for the months, uh, as they were distinguished only numerically as the first, second, third, fourth, etc. Uh, the ancient uh, Athenian calendar was lunar solar was a lunar solar calendar, calendar, with three hundred and fifty four days consisting of twelve months, uh, alternating in length between twenty nine and thirty days, to keep the calendar in line with the solar year. Uh, an extra intersali month was added in the years three, eight, six, eleven, fourteen, seventeen, and nineteen after nineteen years of monotonic cycle. Wow, that seems like it'd be wow. Of, uh, uh, uh. The Athenian months were called Hetatombonian, uh, oh, Metagention, Biodromian, Penapision, Mimacatrian, Poseidon, oh, that one, uh, Gamelin, Anthestritian, Alphabolian, Munchian, uh, Thargelian, and Scirophonian. And the intercali month usually came after Poseidon and was called the second Poseidon. Okay, that makes it easy. Okay. Uh... Table of Greek, uh, the table of Greek Olympiads following a four-year cycle between the Olympic Games from the 1st of July 776 BC continued until the end of the 4th century in AD. Uh, the Babylonian area of Nabasana beginning on the 26th of February 747 BC was used by the Greeks of Alexandria was later known in the Middle Ages as the work of uh, Ptolemy. Okay. That was a mouthful. Yeah. <clears throat> Hellenistic, Hellenistic period, or, or the Roman calendar. Uh, the Greek calendar was greatly diversified by the Hellenistic period. Uh, the separate traditions in every Greek state of primary importance. Uh, <clears throat> of primary importance of the reconstruction of the regional Greek calendars is a calendar of Delphi, because of the numbers documented found. Uh, they're recording up. Of the manuscription of slaves, many of which are dated both in the Delphian and regional calendar. Okay, that's interesting. All right. Uh, the Ma the Macedonian era of Seleucus, Sel Seleucus, which began uh, the conquest of Babylon by. Uh, Selectus uh, Nicator in 312 BC it became widely used uh, in the Levant. The Jews knew it as the era of contracts and used it until Europe until the 15th century. Oh, that's very interesting. Uh, the Roman Republic calendar numbered years based on the sitting councils. Reference to the year of, consul, of consulship were used in both conversation and official records. Interesting. Okay. Uh, there are a few other calendars to look at, but because of the time, we're just going to look very briefly at the Chinese calendar, and then we will wrap up this episode.
the traditional calendar of China, officially known as the agricultural calendar, or former calendar, uh, or traditional calendar, or lunar calendar, is a lunisolar calendar, which most are at this point, which reckons years, months, and days according to the astronomical fun, uh, according to astronomical phenomena. It, although modern day China uh, uses the Gregorian calendar, calendar like most people do, the traditional Chinese calendar is still used to, and governs holidays, such as the Lantern Festival in both China and overseas Chinese communities. It also gives the traditional Chinese nomenclature of dates within the year, which people use for selecting auspicious dates for weddings, funerals, moving, or starting business. Okay, that's very interesting. Like Chinese characters, variants of this calendar <coughs> are used in different parts of the Chinese cultural sphere, such as Korea, Vietnam, uh, and Ryukyu, uh, and the Ryukyu Islands, sorry, adopted the calendar and evolved into their own calendars. The main difference from the traditional Chinese calendar and the use of their different uh, meridians, which leads to some astronomical events and calendar events based on them falling on different days because they're in different parts of the world, that makes sense. The traditional Japanese calendar also derives from the Chinese calendar based on the Japanese meridian, uh, but its official use in Japan was, was abolished in 1873 as part of the reforms after the Menji Restoration. Uh, calendars in Mongolia and Tibet have absorbed elements of the, tra of the traditional, apparently I struggle to say traditional, uh, Chinese calendar, but are not direct descendants of it. Days begin and end at midnight, and months begin on the day of the new moon. Uh, years begin on the second or third new moon of after the third winter solace. Solar terms govern the beginning of each month. Written versions of ancient China included stems and branches of the year and the names of each month, including leap months as needed. Interesting. Cala uh, characters indicated whether a month was long, 30 days, or short, 29 days. Stem branches of the 1st, 11th, and 21st days, and the date, stem, uh, stem branch, and the time of the solar terms. Okay. Okay, so, uh, the traditional Chinese calendar was developed between 771 and 476 BC during the spring and autumn period of the Eastern Zhao Dynasty before the Zhao Dynasty's solar calendars were used. Interesting. One version of the solar calendar uh, is the Five Elements calendar, uh, which derives from Wu Xing. A 365-day calendar was divided into five phases of 73 days. Each phase corresponded uh, to a day to, to a day one Wu Zing element, a phase begin with a government uh, element day, uh, followed by six 12 week days. Okay. Each phase consisted of two three week months, making each year 10 months long. Okay, fair do. Uh, years began on Jazz day uh, and a 72 day wood phase, followed by Bing Z day. Uh, which is a 72 uh, day fire phase, Wuzi, uh, which is a 72 phase of earth, and uh, Genzi, which is a 72 day of metal, and a resiny day followed by a water phase. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, other days were tracking, other days were tracked using the yellow river map. 
Okay. Alright. Okay, so then they moved on to lunisolar calendars after a couple of the iterations of that calendar, with the, the last one being uh, the third version of the balanced calendar. A year was 365.25 days, and a month was 29 and a half days. Uh, after every 16 month, a half month was uh, intercalculated. Interesting. I'm going to cut that bit out. Yeah. So yeah, then they moved on to lunar solar calendars, and the first one of those was uh, the Zhao calendar, uh, introduced under the Zhao dynasty. This calendar set set the beginning of the year at a day of the new moon before the winter solists. Winter solists, solar solstice. Why can't I say that? Solstice. Yeah. Uh, there are also several several other competing lunar solar calendars. Uh, were also introduced, especially by the states fighting Zhao control under the Warring States period. The state of Lu issued its own Lu calendar. Jin issued the Zhao calendar in AD 102, uh, with the beginning on the day of the new moon nearest m the March equinox. Okay. Then the modern calendars. Let's skip to that. Although the Chinese calendar lost its place as the country's official calendar at the beginning of the 20th century, its use has continued. The Republic of China adopted uh, the Universal uh, UTC plus 8 in 1928, but changed to a single time zone. Some calendars followed the, the last calendar of the Qing, di uh, Qing Dynasty published in 1908. <coughs> Excuse me. This caused confusion about the date on the of the 1978 mid-autumn festival, and those areas that switched to the UTC plus eight based calendar. <laughs> Countries which adopted the the calendar but calculate their own time could vary from the time in China. Okay. Uh, last sort of bit is uh, the elements of the years of the day, month, date, year, and then there's the zodiac, which. Uh, we'll talk very very briefly about because uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the Chinese zodiac is a classification scheme that assigns an animal and its uh rep and its reputed uh att attributes uh to each year in a repeating twelve year cycle. The twelve year cycle is approximately is an approximation of the eleven point eight five year orbital period of Jupiter. Okay, I didn't know it was based on Jupiter, uh, and it's based in China. The zodiac, uh, the zodiac has its variations remain popular in many Asian countries and regions, such as Japan, Korea, Vietnam, Cambodia, and Thailand. Identifying this scheme uh, using the generic term zodiac reflects several superficial similarities to the Western zodiac. Uh, both have time cycles uh, divided into twelve parts. Each label, at least the majority of those parts, with names of animals. And each is widely associated with the culture of ascribing a person's personality or events in his or her life to a supposed influence of the of the cycle. Uh, nevertheless, they are major. There are major differences between the two. Uh, they're not associated with constellations. The Chinese uh, the Chinese twelve part cycle corresponds to years rather than months. The Chinese zodiac is represented by twelve animals, whereas some of the signs in the Western zodiac are not animals. Despite the implication of the. Uh, and entomology of the word zodiac, which comes from I think zoo. Uh, so yet yeah, there are twelve different animals that 
all come from it, including the rat, the ox, the tiger, the rabbit, the dragon, the snake, the horse, the goat or the sheep, the monkey, the rooster, the dog and the pig. Uh, I'm pretty sure the last year was the pig, which means that this would be the year of the rat, I think. Yes, uh, going into uh, the new year for the Chinese zodiac, it would become the year of the rat. That's really interesting. Okay, uh, I think that would be a good place to end this episode, just because, you know, we're now ahead of time for somehow that happened. Um, obviously, this isn't a encyclopedic knowledge of everything, and I could have gotten some things wrong. Uh feel free to have a look at the calendars yourself it's kind of interesting to see where they all came from uh, uh and if you do have any questions feel free to reach out to, to me uh i mean you could also reach out to heather as well but, um see she, she probably knows more about this kind of thing than i do uh but with that well, i'm going to wrap up this episode uh if you do want to talk to either of us you can find us in the discord uh we're both in there fairly often you can also contact us through geek underscore thyself uh on twitter uh and with that i will see you guys in a couple of weeks because next week's episode will be heather by herself i'm not sure what she's doing but i'm sure it'll be great and with that i hope you have a wonderful week thank you for listening guys uh bye thank you for listening to this week's episode of geek thyself don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the nerdsmith network if you have any questions for either of us you can get in contact with us on twitter at geek underscore thyself you can also email us at geek thyself at nerdsmith.org and please don't forget to go to itunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself. <laughs>